in Capernaum. It's this little town on the northwest corner of the uh, Sea of Galilee. And uh, it is here that um, he comes to, you know, this is right after his, uh, his baptism, his wilderness experience where he was tempted by the, uh, the Spirit, takes him into the wilderness to be tempted for um, 40 days. And uh, so when he, when he comes back, he comes to Capernaum. In Capernaum, on that first day of his public ministry, he's in the synagogue teaching, and an, a man with an evil spirit, a demon, uh, is possessed by him, is sitting in the crowd. I mean, it's kind of uncanny that someone with a demon could just be in our midst, right? <laughs> And uh, so Jesus orders the evil spirit to come out of the man. And the evil spirit comes out shouting, kind of complaining is how I hear it, all the way out of this man. Jesus heals him. The evil spirit knows who Jesus is. He refers to him as the son of God. But not everyone else knows yet. The man is healed. And after teaching in the synagogue with authority and healing the man, Jesus leaves for Simon and Andrew's house. Now, he's with James and John at the synagogue, but they're going to uh, Simon and Andrew's house. Um, if you've ever been to Israel, they have discovered this house. And uh, you can actually see the house uh, that Simon and Andrew uh, had lived and grew up and um, in, in which they had um, with their own families. When they get there, Simon's mother-in-law is ill with a fever. And so Jesus heals her, might I add, on the Sabbath. <laughs> in private, but on the Sabbath. After, uh, after that, uh, she gets up and she serves Jesus and James and John and Simon and Andrew and everyone that's there. She serves them, it says, and I'll add, on the Sabbath. So it's not just Jesus, but it's the people who interact and have this relationship with Jesus that are being changed and transformed in their understanding of what it means to be a child of God. After sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus for healing. Interesting. After sunset would have meant that it was a new day, the next day. And so the community still doesn't understand who Jesus is. Because they wait until they can properly bring people him for healing and Jesus heals them it says then that the next morning this is where our, our, our story begins the next morning before dawn before daybreak Jesus woke up and went out to an isolated place hence the theme for our message today 
isolation can be devastatingly unhelpful. But it can also be helpful. Some of the devastating aspects of isolation and loneliness. In 2023, last year, the United States Surgeon General declared an epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. The report says that since the pandemic, it has worsened. I was calculating, it's been four years since we began that whole craziness. Can you imagine that? Can you believe that? Jeff Clark serves, Jeff is one of our members here. He serves on the team for the Northeast Valley Consortium of Churches. That's New Covenant, uh, New Journey in Fountain Hills, Living Water in North Scottsdale, um, Christ the Lord and Carefree and Ascension in Paradise Valley. Uh, the five of us have formed a, a consortium of Lutheran churches to try to be more effective, more impactful. It kind of got birthed out of, I don't know if you remember all the refugees from Afghanistan that were coming over, uh, those that had helped our military that had death threats on them. And uh, LSS uh, of the Southwest here in Phoenix and Tucson, um, they resettled hundreds of these Afghan refugees. And that was kind of the beginning of that consortium was we put that together um, so that we could be more impactful. And as a group of churches, uh, we settled well over 100 people and we raised over $30,000, which helped to fund a partial uh, salary for uh, someone that worked directly with the Afghan community. So the NEVC, as we call it, Northeast Valley Consortium, they do other things as well. One of the things that they have been doing is um, offering a, an adult learning opportunity every April. And uh, so this year it's on April 13th, and it is always hosted by Living Water up on Happy Valley Road. And um, ironically, you might say, or as Jeff Clark told me in his email, spiritually, <laughs> God is moving because he wanted us to announce that the event for April 13th is going to focus on loneliness and the church. <laughs> now we had not talked. So, they have invited Reverend Dr. Colleen Wyndham Hughes. She is the Associate Vice President for Mission and Identity at California Lutheran University to speak on this issue. Um, apparently she has quite a bit of expertise in this area. So mark your calendars for April 13th, Saturday uh, for an opportunity to learn more about this epidemic and how we can maybe have an impact on, on it as churches. This epidemic is more deadly, this kind of shocked me, is more deadly than drinking six alcoholic drinks a day. It is more deadly than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
So when we think about the impact of loneliness and isolation, it is, uh, it, it can be devastating. And um, that is, you know, the, the trajectory um, of this illness is not good. And that is why I'm really thankful for the help of two of our members who work at making connections with those in our body of Christ here, our church, that may not have the opportunity to make connections. David Cole and Cynthia Karsten both visit members of our church who are disconnected from the church because of health reasons, other issues. They are visiting these people every week. So thank you, David, and thank you, Cynthia. Another thing that can be helpful in preventing isolation is to connect with God, is to connect with Jesus, as connect with God as Jesus taught us to connect, spiritually. Jesus taught us how to do that. When we feel alone, when we have lost someone close to us, we can connect with God and ask God to take the burden of the loneliness from us. Remember how Jesus offered to take the burdens from us? And in exchange, he placed his yoke upon us. He said, my yoke is light and easy. The yoke is actually a reference to Jesus' teaching. So Jesus wants to remove the burdens that we carry and place instead the teaching of his love and grace of service to God and to neighbor. I don't know that Jesus felt isolated in the beginning of his ministry, but he knew that it was important for him to connect with his father. And we know that by the end of his ministry, it was critically important that he remained connected with his father. And so Jesus used an isolated place to more closely connect to his father and to his purpose as the Messiah. That is where it can be helpful to have an isolated place. Not to run away and hide, but a place to connect with God. The Greek word for isolated, eremos, is the same word that is translated for wilderness. So there is a connection between this isolation or isolated place and the wilderness. For example, in chapter 1, John the Baptist preached in the wilderness. And all of Jerusalem came out to hear him. And in chapter 2, we are reminded that the wilderness is where the Spirit led Jesus for 40 days after his, after his baptism. However, the word for wilderness or an isolated place does not depict, does not depict a, 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 a wasteland, a desert wasteland. 
you know, sometimes, um, especially growing up in the Midwest, when I hear desert, I would think of, you know, that sandy desert that no one ever escapes from. But then you come out here and you see desert and it's beautiful. It's completely different than a big basin of sand. And so wilderness, isolated place, can be hurtful, but it can also be helpful. It is a place of reconnecting. For example, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and it was an opportunity for them to connect with God through their repentance. They taught us that we all have a lot to repent for, right? All the grumbling, all the complaining against God and against Moses. And so they, they learned to repent to God. They also learned to be restored by God, to be refreshed by God. When they were taken to the end of life almost because they had no food, what did God do? God provided food for them, manna in the wilderness and quail. And when they had nothing to drink, what did God do? God provided water for them to drink. So it was an opportunity for them to experience God's restorative power. And it was also an opportunity for them to fellowship with God, to just be with God. That's what John the Baptist was trying to teach as he called people out into the wilderness. He was trying to tell them that it was an opportunity to repent, to be restored, to have fellowship with God. And the Holy Spirit drew Jesus into the wilderness, into an isolated place. Now, he didn't need to repent, but he could be restored. And it was an opportunity for him to have fellowship with God. He was certainly tempted. But Jesus overcame his temptation. So these, are, these wilderness experiences help us to understand that there can be positive aspects to an isolated place. What Jesus seems to be saying is that isolation can be a time for connecting with God, to be strengthened, to be focused on God's purpose, and to be focused on God's purpose for our lives, to be focused on God's purpose for our church, did you know that we had a purpose as a church? A purpose that comes from God? We are to make disciples. But not just disciples, but disciples of the new generation. We had a visitor here last Sunday because the bell choir was playing. And this woman said she was so grateful to be here because it had been so long for her be in a church with children. As Alex would say, amen. <laughs> amen. We are blessed to be a church with children. Many churches don't have that today. The next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Jesus' prayer time 
was to keep him aligned with his father's purpose for his life and not to be tempted by the purposes of man. Jesus prays a lot. I mean, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus finds time to go places of, to places of isolation to pray to be with his father. Does that sound familiar? And so he goes and prays a lot, but interestingly, maybe it's because Mark's gospel is so short, he just wants to get to the point. Mark only tells us of three times that Jesus went to pray, but they are important. The first time that Jesus goes to an isolated place to pray is today's reading at the very beginning of his ministry. I can tell you that after a Sunday of preaching, teaching, of uh, worshiping, um, when I get home, I'm a little spent. And when I get up on Monday morning, the thing that I desire most often is time with God because I have emptied myself. I need to be filled up again. So Jesus prays a lot. But Mark records you three times. The one from today's reading, the second time, is after he has finished feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, they were also fed. So we're looking at thousands and thousands of people that he fed. I think he was spent after that experience too. And then the third time, final reference to prayer, in an isolated place is when Jesus takes his disciples out to the Garden of Gethsemane and prays there. And he keeps telling his disciples to stay awake because they keep falling asleep. This was truly a lonely and isolated place in time for Jesus to pray. But it's not just the garden experience. All three of these prayers occur in an isolated place. When the disciples find Jesus in prayer, though they have slept in, obviously, they did not get up at the crack of dawn like Jesus did. So when they finally find him, the scriptures tell us, they tell him that everyone is seeking him. He has become popular because he is a miracle worker. Bring me all your ills and I'll fix them. People wanted to be healed. But did they really want a relationship with Jesus? Or did they just want to be healed? Remember the crowds waited till Sunday had passed? It was Monday, even though it was after sunset in the middle of the night, it was Monday when they came to see Jesus for all, would have been Sunday for them, Monday for us. So when the disciples find Jesus in prayer, they tell him, everyone is looking for him. People want to be healed. When people seek Jesus, using this Greek word for seek, they often want to seek him for personal gain, for their own human needs. They're not seeking him 
for the things of God. Which is kind of interesting because for a generation, we developed this thing called seeker services where we were trying to draw people in to seek Jesus. But what this word shows us throughout the Gospel of Mark, at least, is that this word of seeking Jesus does not have positive connotations in one's spiritual development. Because they're not looking with faith and submission, they're looking with personal gain. For example, in Mark chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, this is about the Pharisees. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and sought him, they were seeking him, to start an argument with him, <laughs> testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. You see, they're not seeking him for the things of God. And then later on in chapter 14, we read about how the religious leaders seek him. This is on the Passover celebration. It was now two days before Passover and the festival unleavened bread. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were still seeking for Jesus. They wanted an opportunity to capture him secretly and to kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Perhaps we shouldn't have made a big deal out of seeker services. Maybe what we should have been doing is focusing on discipleship all along. That's a conviction for me. Jesus seems to be saying at the end of this story that God's purpose for him is bigger than being a miracle worker. God's purpose for him is greater than being used by the religious establishment for their purposes. His purpose is to go throughout all of Galilee, not just Capernaum, preaching and healing preaching the gospel and healing people from illness and demon possession. Now, if you experience loneliness and isolation, Jesus can help you feel connected. Remember what I said earlier, how you can just take that burden and give it to Jesus and he will take it from you. He will make your load light because he will replace that burden with his teaching. Jesus gave us an example of how to live even in the midst of a wilderness. Even when we feel isolated, Jesus taught us how to live and how we can even go into an isolated place when we go into it with the purpose of God. So the question I have for you this morning is that 
is this. When, when is the last time that you went out to an isolated place? Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your son Jesus, for his life, his death, his resurrection, his ministry, all that he teaches us. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus every day. And may we seek after the things of God, your things, rather than our things. And when we experience change for no reason of our own, may we look to Jesus who experienced the greatest change for no reason of his own. Help us to live like Jesus lived. 